0: To, to lighten the mood a little bit today, I wanted to start off by playing a, a game. So uh, take a look at the screen behind you, and you'll, uh, you'll notice we're going to be playing Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Does that sound pretty good? Well, you know what? I'm going to change that. I want let's, to Let's call it Who Wants to Be a Bible Know-It-All, okay? All right? Now, now, in order for us to play this game, we're going to have to have a volunteer. So is there anyone out there? Who is brave enough, who is brave enough to be a Bible know it all? Anyone? We need a volunteer. I need one volunteer. Who's going to do it? I'm going to call Tom Bennett up. Come on, Tom. Come on, Tom. All right. We need to give him some encouragement here. Okay, Tom. Now, this is, Tom, this is a very, very difficult, very difficult game. Come on up here, Tom. Okay, you ready? All right. Now, you know how to play this game, right, Tom? A, B, or C, wait, oh, right. That's right, okay. okay, okay. Let's go to the first question, Tom. Here we go. What, Tom, is the first book of the Bible? Now, hold on, Tom. Is it A, Revelation, B, Jonah, C, Hezekiah, or D, Genesis? Now, think about this, Tom. You have You have your lifelines available. Uh, I think I'm just going to go with uh, D-Genesis, final answer. D-Genesis, final answer. Let's see. Good job, Tom. Very good. Very good. Now, good, that's $100, okay? Christmas uh, bonus. That's right. That's right. Now, we're going to skip to $1,000, Tom. Next question. Here we go. Next question, Tom. Where was Jesus born? Now, there's a hint on this question, Tom. Oh, little town of blank, Okay. Is it A, Jerusalem, B, Jericho, C, Bethlehem, or D, Mission Viejo? Now, again, you have all of your lifelines. Uh, Well, well, Neil, um, we've done a lot of uh, worship music uh, in the the organization, and uh, I'm pretty sure I've done this song before. I know it's not Jerusalem or Jericho, and I mean, I'm from Mission Viejo, so I'm going to go with uh, C, Bethlehem, final answer. C, Bethlehem, are you sure about that? I'm sure. Let's check it out. Yes, that is right. Very nice. Very nice. Good job, Tom. Now, Tom, you know what? I'm confident in your abilities. I'm confident in your abilities. I want to go all the way to the $1 million question. Are you ready, Tom? Yes, I am. Here we go. The $1 million question. Which of the following vices are one of the seven so-called deadly sins? Is it A, robbery, B, murder, C, lying, or D, laziness. Now, Tom, all of your lifelines are available for this question. What's it going to be? Um, you can uh, poll the audience. You can phone a friend. You can. Uh, I don't, I don't you, have my what, cell phone. I'd call that. Well, we'll see. Wait, is there 50-50? Uh, well, uh, no, there's not a 50-50. <laughs> um, I'd like to pull the audience. Okay, poll the, okay, audience, poll the you know. audience. Okay, audience. Raise your hand if you think it is A. One. You have one that thinks it's A. Raise your hand if you think it is B, murder. Uh, the same person raised their hand and a few others. Raise your hand if you believe that one of the deadly sins is C, lying. The same person keeps raising his hand, and a few others. Now raise your hand if you think it's D, laziness. Ah, a good chunk of folks thinks it's laziness, Tom. Neil, I'm going to have to go to the audience here. Um, D, laziness. For one million dollars, are you sure, Tom? <laughs> There's no way you have a million dollars to give me. Yeah, I'm absolutely sure. Final answer, D, laziness. D, laziness. Let's check it out. Yes. Congratulations Tom. All right. Congratulations C Lloyd our treasurer after the game and he will hand you a check. Our financial situation is really improving at Coast. We're giving away millions of dollars left and right. Well now most of you knew that. Laziness is one of the 7 deadly sins. Uh, or so-called deadly sins that we hear uh, from the 6th century Catholic Church that developed that list. In fact, the title of my sermon today is Lazy is Lethal. Lazy is Lethal. And what we're going to be looking at today is a few selections from the Proverbs. In fact, quite a number of selections from the book of Proverbs, from King Solomon, on the topic of laziness, laziness. You wouldn't think it, but it in fact was considered one of the seven deadly sins or the seven uh, almost unpardonable sins without the without the uh, work of the church uh, that the Catholics had developed in the 6th century A.D. But of course, you and I know today that laziness is is not uh, is not to be considered a deadly sin it's not the kind of sin that would that would bring us eternal damnation if we were not to turn from laziness but i do want to stress today that laziness is in fact very lethal in fact laziness is something that often we don't pay attention to in the evangelical church today we kind of brush it aside we we look at laziness and say well that's Ah, that's kind of a sin, but not really. That's not that's not so bad as murder or so bad as as robbery. How could laziness be be that bad of a sin? And so today, a very simple study. We're doing a topical study today. And in a topical study on the topic of laziness, what you do is you survey scripture and you look at what scripture has to say on the topic, and you look at a number of scriptures, and you develop your understanding of the topic based on those scriptures, and you pull out some principles uh, from those scriptures. So we're going to survey quite a number of proverbs today. Hang in there with me. Uh, try, try your best to, to grasp each proverb from King Solomon and see how it applies to the topic of laziness, and I think we're going to learn uh, something that's going to be really helpful uh, as we begin a new year, quite frankly, uh, the reason why I chose this topic is because this, this may be a, an area where you would like to improve on, if you will, for 2007. Um, I'm not advocating making a resolution or a vow here, but perhaps you will notice some things that perhaps describe your life about laziness. And hopefully this study will help you to make some changes as you enter into a new year. So there are two questions that I want to consider today. Two questions. The first question is this. What characterizes a lazy person? What characterizes a lazy person? And the second question is this. What will become of a lazy person? What will become of a lazy person? Now, before we answer these questions, just really briefly... I wanted to explain the nature of a proverb. What we are reading today are proverbs. And proverbs are principles that are more often than not true. A proverb is not to be interpreted as a promise. For instance, when we see the proverb uh, that says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart. That proverb is generally true. In other words, we are to take that proverb and we are to say to ourselves, we should train up our children in the way they should go. And if we do so, it is more likely than not that they will not depart when they are older. But of course, human experience tells us that sometimes children do depart, even when the parent or the mother or the father trains them up in the way that they should go. So it's very important as you read Proverbs to recognize that when they were written, and the spirit of, with which they were written was a spirit of general truth. Generally speaking, if you do A, B will occur. Generally speaking, if you do this, then that will occur. And that is how you approach Proverbs. It is, it is unfortunate, um, and I've seen this before, when someone comes up to me and says, but it says here in the Proverbs that if this happens, then this will happen. And I say, well... Generally speaking, that's the case, because that's what a proverb is intended to mean. And so, a proverb is not a promise, it is a general principle of truth. And let's look at some general principles of truth about what characterizes, our first question, what characterizes a lazy person? What characterizes a lazy person? I want to read two proverbs to you right off the bat. Let's start off with Proverbs 13, verse 4. It says this, The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. The second proverb, Proverbs 21, 25-26, The desire of the lazy man kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. He covets greedily all day long, but the righteous gives and does not spare. Okay. Here are our first two proverbs. Here's the beginning of our topical study on laziness, and I've deduced two elements that I think can characterize a lazy person based on these proverbs. The first is this. What characterizes a lazy person? The lazy person, one, covets and desires. Covets and desires. And we see there, but that coveting and desiring leads to nothing. And secondly, a lazy person is one who refuses to labor who refuses to labor. They refuse to work. Let's look at a second proverb. Look at Proverbs 20, verse 4. It says this, The lazy man will not plow because of winter. The lazy man will not plow because of winter. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. Now this is an interesting proverb. This proverb suggests that a person who is lazy is one who fails to do proper ha- proper uh, crop maintenance during off-season so that when the season comes for harvesting, he will have a crop to harvest. And the lazy person instead avoids this. And three, the, number three here, he avoids preparation. The lazy person is, a, is one who avoids preparation. Instead, they, they push it off. And when the harvest comes... When the time comes, they are the ones begging. They are the ones asking for food. Let's look at another proverb. Our fourth proverb today, Proverbs twelve twenty seven says this, "...the lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting, but diligence is man's precious possession." Now this is interesting. This suggests the lazy man went hunting, so he does do things occasionally. In fact, this lazy man went out and and he, uh, he, he, he got himself an animal. Took his arrow, shot an animal. But when he comes home, what does he do with it? He fails to roast the animal. He fails to prepare the animal. He fails to cook the animal that he has actually gone out and hunted because he is too lazy. But diligence, it says, is man's precious possession. One who follows through to the end is a precious possession. So the fourth thing we can infer here is that a lazy person never finishes what he starts. Never finishes what he starts. These are things that characterize a lazy person. And I've, I've been very meticulous here. We are, today we are virtually going through every proverb on laziness. So when we are done today, all but about two or three I've left off. Um, and mainly because they were repetitious. But what we're seeing today is an exhaustive look at what characterizes a lazy person. Let's look at the fifth thing. There's going to be seven in total. The fifth is this, Proverbs 22, 13. The lazy man says, There is a lion outside. I shall be slain in the streets. What in the world does this mean? you ever know that person who gives excuses? Do you ever know that person who is constantly constantly coming up with whatever they possibly can to avoid working or to avoid doing a chore or to avoid doing a task or fulfilling a responsibility. In fact, sometimes these people go to such extreme lengths that they make things up. And this is a very sarcastic Uh, comment, if you will, a very sarcastic proverb that indicates that the lazy man goes so far as to say, well, there's a lion in the street, and so I cannot possibly go out today, for I will be slain if I do. It's ludicrous. It's ridiculous. But what it shows is that the lazy person is willing to do whatever it takes to get out of his task. And so the fifth thing we can infer here is the lazy person is one who gives excuses They give excuses, even ridiculous excuses, to get out of work. Sixth, Proverbs 26.14 As a door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. As a door turns on its hinges, so the lazy man does on his bed. What does this tell us about a lazy man? Uh, To put it generally... I believe this tells us that the lazy man is very accustomed to his own idleness. It becomes very routine for him to be lazy. Very habitual. Once he starts his pathway of laziness, it is like a door turning on its hinge. It's routine. It's habitual. It happens all the time. And he finds himself stuck in the rut of laziness. And he becomes accustomed to it. He becomes accustomed, becomes familiar with his own idleness. Seventh and finally, what characterizes a lazy person? Proverbs twenty six, sixteen says this the lazy man is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. What can we infer from this? I would say that the fool that he fools himself that he is wise. The lazy man is one who fools himself thinking that he is wise. And unlike the answer of seven sensible men, he gives answers and deems them wise when in fact they are not. These are seven items that Proverbs identifies. King Solomon identifies as characteristic of the lazy man. Look at them again. It says he covets and desires, number one. Secondly, he refuses to labor. Third, he avoids preparation. Fourth, he never finishes what he starts. Fifth, he gives excuses. Sixth, he becomes accustomed to his idleness. And seven, he fools himself that he is wise. Now the Lord has a harsh rebuke through King Solomon as he rebukes the lazy man. And as Solomon writes in Proverbs 6, 6-11, six to eleven, we're going to see a very harsh rebuke of the kind of person that finds himself in laziness. Solomon's going to say there's no excuse. Take a look at Proverbs six, verses six to eleven. It says this. Proverbs six, verses six to eleven. Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer, and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler, and your need like an armed man. Here Solomon says... Few kind words about the lazy man. In fact, he's giving him a very harsh and critical rebuke. He's saying, sluggard, you who are lazy, I want you to pay attention to even the most minuscule of species, the ant. Notice the work ethic of the ant, Solomon says. Notice how this ant toils and troubles all year long to prepare enough food so that when winter comes... He will have enough to eat. Even the most minuscule of species does such a thing. He says, how much more so should you? He says, but since you don't do that, since you don't pay attention to common principles, even in the animal world, in the insect world, he says a very uh, uh, common phrase that we're going to see again. He starts it in verse 10. He says, oh, but this is you, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep so shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Solomon says the days of your laziness will soon have consequences. The days of your laziness will soon have consequences. Poverty will come like a prowler and your need will come like an armed man entering your home. You will find yourself... Poor and in need in a very short while as a result of your laziness. He says, this will be the consequence. And this is what I want to look at next. The second question that we started with, the first question was, what characterizes a lazy person? We identified seven things. The second question that we would like to answer today is, what will become of a lazy person? What will become of a lazy person? So let's highlight that second question And let's answer that right now. We have seven items also that demonstrate the consequences of a lazy person. Take a look at the first consequence. Proverbs 19.15 says this, Laziness casts one into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. Now again, this idea of deep sleep I think is is still the, the, the mentality of habitual and a a routine. He will find himself very accustomed to his idleness. But that will be a consequence. The fact that he is in deep sleep and hunger, which is our first consequence, deep sleep and hunger suggests that it will be routine for him, he will find himself excessively drawn to it, and he will find himself lacking. An idle person will eventually find himself lacking. Secondly, Proverbs 10, 4-5 says this, He who has a slack Hand becomes poor. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Two things poverty and shame. Poverty and shame. The lazy person, their end will be poverty. That will be the consequence of their laziness. That does not mean that everyone who is poor is lazy. No, instead it means whoever is lazy will become poor. It doesn't work both ways. This is not to suggest that all those who are poor are in fact lazy. No, Solomon is very clear. He says those who are lazy will become poor, generally speaking. A general truth in Scripture. And secondly, they will incur shame. Instead of one who is wise and gathers during the harvest time, They will cause shame to their father and to their family. Third, Proverbs 20, verse 4. The lazy man will not plow because of winter. And we've already seen this verse, but I wanted to notice the consequence. Proverbs 20, verse 4. The lazy man will not plow because of winter. He will beg during harvest and have nothing. Notice the consequence this time in this verse. The consequence of not harvesting, of avoiding the preparation of harvesting, is what? Begging. Begging begging. And our third principle here, our third consequence is he will become a beggar at harvest time. A lazy person will find themselves in the end begging for food, for life sustenance. Fourth, this one, this consequence really caught my eye. This one um, really uh, caused me to Consider this quite a bit. Proverbs 12:24 says this: "The hand of the diligent, the hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy man will be put to forced labor." Now, there's a couple things going on here. Number one, from a cultural standpoint, um, Solomon is probably suggesting slavery, some sort of servitude that the lazy person will will find himself in if he consider, con- continues in his idleness. Um, And that that would be from a 10th century B.C. cultural perspective on the passage. But moreover, we see here a a, a general principle that holds true through all generations, and that is a person who is diligent is one who finds himself in quality work. A person who is diligent is one who finds themselves ruling, if you will, finding employment, if you will, that is of uh, greater satisfaction and greater responsibility of of greater reputation to those around him. But the lazy person will find himself in forced labor. That is to say, he will find himself in a very, very dependent position. A position um, uh, similar to having to uh, have the bottom of the barrel, if you will, of jobs. Um, Having uh, a work, a kind of work that is not suitable of one who, in fact, was diligent. And so we see here that uh, our fourth uh, consequence is that the lazy person will find himself in forced labor and he will find himself on a more general level being dependent on others. I think that's the general principle we're seeing here. The lazy person will be very dependent upon others for his sustenance. Five, Proverbs 10.26 As vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes, so is the lazy man to those who send him. Now this is speaking of a lazy man being sent to accomplish a task or sent to assist someone uh, in accomplishing something. And yet when they are sent, Solomon says, they are like vinegar to the teeth, sour taste. They are like smoke to the eyes, a blinding and and tears coming to the eyes when the lazy person approaches to assist with the task. That is to say, the lazy person, fifth, is repulsed by others. A consequence of being lazy is that others will look upon you and they will be repulsed when they are with you because they will recognize your life pattern and recognize that when you come to help, in fact, you are not coming to help. You are coming to be a burden, and you are coming to be like a sour taste in their mouth and like tears to their eyes. A lazy person is not one who assists in time of need, and they are repulsed by others. Sixth, and this is from Ecclesiastes, but also written as a proverb from King Saul, by King Solomon. Ecclesiastes 10.18 says this, Because of laziness, the building decays, and through idleness of hands, the house leaks. Just a general principle here. Decay. A lazy person causes decay. His work ethic leads to decay. Not only of what he's working on, but also to the decay of his own life and to those around him. And seventh and finally, our final consequence from Proverbs 15:19 says this, The way of the lazy man is like a hedge of thorns, but the way of the upright is a highway. The word thorn there in Scripture, if you do a a word study on thorn, you will find, especially especially in the Old Testament, that thorns were often used as a symbol of cursing. And so the lazy man here, his path is cursed. The consequence of his lifestyle will be a lifestyle of cursing. There will be roadblocks set up in his life path, and he will not be able to maneuver because it will be a path of thorns, a path of cursing. Okay. Now we're done with our topical look at laziness. Take a look at both lists here. You'll notice in review I wanted to, to highlight both lists. First, we learned this. The lazy person what what characterizes them? What is in their nature according to the Proverbs? These seven things. A lazy person is one who covets and desires. Secondly, they refuse to labor. Third, avoids preparation. Fourth, never finishes what he starts. Fifth, he's one who gives excuses. Sixth, he becomes accustomed, becomes familiar with his own idleness. Seventh, he fools himself that he is wise. And what of the consequences? Well, these are the consequences of the nature of a lazy person on the left-hand side. The consequences on the right, number one, he will fall into a deep sleep. And he will go hungry. Secondly, he will encounter poverty. And he will encounter shame. Third, he will become a beggar at harvest time. When all others are eating of their crops, if you will, he will be one who begs. Fourth, he will be forced, because of his lack of preparation to go into forced labor. He will find himself in a position of dependence. He will find himself with the worst of jobs available to him, the worst of tasks. Fifth, he will be repulsed by others for all of this. Because he is begging, because uh, uh, he is not one of preparation, others will be repulsed by him. And they will look upon him with disdain. Sixth, all that is around him will decay. All that he puts... His hand into will d- decay. And seventh and finally, his path will be cursed. His path will be cursed. Now, just for a moment, uh, consider your own life. Consider um, some of the tendencies that you may have based on the lists up here. This is not to suggest that if you are experiencing some of the consequences on the right hand side, that you're automatically a lazy person. That is not the case. But what is the case is that when we look at the Proverbs, we are to look upon them, again, as general principles of God's truth. And if we find ourselves resonating with some of the nature of a lazy person on the left-hand side, or if we find ourselves resonating with some of the consequences that we see on the right-hand side, then we are to stop and to pause just for a moment to consider whether or not laziness is a component of our life. Whether or not we are being sluggish, we are showing slothfulness. And uh, so this is just a time to take a look at that list and consider that. I would the, the Catholic Church in the sixth century AD listed laziness as one of the seven deadly sins. And while I would uh, while Scripture is clear, laziness is not going to send you to eternal damnation. Um, laziness is nevertheless very, very lethal in this earthly existence for us. It, is, it can overtake a person. And uh, as this next slide suggests, um, you know it can, it can totally overtake you. Take a look at this next slide here. It says this. It says, although he had stood against the six other deadly sins, Jake was overcome by sloth. Okay, some of you laughed, huh? I <laughs> thought I'd lighten it up just a little bit again. That's a that's a that's a sloth, I guess. Is there such thing as a sloth? Yeah, I thought so. They have long claws or something like that. Now, but on a more serious level, laziness is no small matter. I want to make it very clear: laziness is no small matter. And I want you to notice this. This is very important. Of the many verses that we have surveyed thus far on laziness, take note of the words used to describe the antithesis. Of the lazy person. These are the words that describe the antithesis. In other words, they were used as the opposite of the lazy man in all of the verses we surveyed today. Take a look. The first one is this diligent is the opposite of lazy, according to the Proverbs. Secondly, wise is the opposite of lazy, according to the Proverbs. Third, upright, being a person who is upright, is the opposite of lazy according to the Proverbs. And fourth and finally, righteous is the opposite of lazy, according to the Proverbs. I would, sug- I w- I would venture to say that, that we would desire to be these kinds of things. We would desire to be, to be diligent, wise, upright, righteous. And yet, if we find ourselves with a tendency toward laziness, The Scriptures are telling us here in the Proverbs that we are neither of these things. The opposite of laziness are characteristic of these words. And so laziness is truly no small matter. It is not a simple sin. It is not a half sin. It's a very serious sin. If we are lazy, then we are not diligent. If we are lazy, then we are not wise. If we are lazy, then we are not upright. If we are lazy, then we are not being righteous. Proverbs take laziness very seriously. And so there's a call to action. There's a call to action toward the end of the Proverbs, and I love this call to action. We find it in Proverbs 24. And this is, uh, this is a way in which we can learn from the lazy man. This is what Solomon has to say in response to laziness. Proverbs 24, verses 27, and then skipping down 30 to 34. He says this, Prepare your outside work. Make it fit for yourself in the field. And afterward, build your house. Verse 30, I went by the field of the lazy man, and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was. All overgrown with thorns, its surface was covered with nettles, its stone wall was broken down. When I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, so shall your poverty come like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Here we have the rallying cry. Solomon is uh, getting toward the end of some of his Proverbs, and as this proverb has been arranged toward the end, I think it's very fitting, because Solomon is offering a way out, if you will, for the lazy person, or a way out, if you will, for those who look upon the lazy person. And he says, I want you to prepare for work. I want you to get ready to be diligent. Make yourself fit in the field. And afterward build your house. He says, Look at that lazy man, verse thirty. Look at the man, notice the antithesis of, of of or notice the description of this lazy man, the man devoid of understanding, not wise. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns, symbol of cursing. Its surface covered with nettles, its wall broken down, and look what he did, look what he does. Verse thirty two When I saw it, I considered it well. That is to say, I looked upon it with great intent. I spent great time and effort examining the nature of the lazy man and the consequences that befall him. I looked upon him and I received instruction. Friends, that's what you and I have done in the first 10 to 15 minutes of this sermon. We've looked upon the lazy man and we've received instruction from his ways. And now... Solomon says, get to work. Look upon him and receive instruction. Avoid the pitfalls of laziness and instead become a person who is productive. Instead, become a person who is wise, who is upright, righteous, who is diligent. Our our final question today is, what is the biblical response to laziness? How can we respond biblically to the lazy person? How can we avoid laziness and be productive? I want to give you uh, three things here. Two things of what you can do and one thing that you should never do as you consider your life and its relationship to laziness. The first is this. very. Now the, again, these are very simple things. But the first is simply this. Do physical work. Be attentive to provide for the physical needs of your household. Now, I don't, I'm not suggesting here that you need to be working with your hands Uh, with a jackhammer. When I say physical work, I mean to say provide for physical needs. Provide for your physical needs, for your household's physical needs, if that is called upon you. Get to work, Solomon says very clearly, very bluntly, very obviously. Go to work. Start working physically. And recognize that you have a responsibility to provide for yourself and for your household. Proverbs 27, 23-27, notice what it says. He says, be diligent. Notice that word diligent. The antithesis of lazy. Solomon's using this very, very precisely here. Actually, excuse me, it's not Solomon in Proverbs 27. It's, a, it's another proverb. But nevertheless, that word is being used very, very intentionally. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. For riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. When the hay is removed, and the tender grass shows itself, and the herbs of the mountains are gathered in, the lambs will provide your clothing, and the goats the price of a field. You shall have enough goat's milk for your food, and for the food of your household, and the nourishment of your maidservants. General principle here what is it? Pay attention to your flock. Pay attention to what you've been entrusted with. If you have a job, do all that you can to preserve its security. Do all that you can to please your boss. Do all that you can to sustain that work. Be diligent to care for what has been entrusted to you so that that work can pay for the bills. So that that work can pay for food on the plate, nourishment for your household, and perhaps even those that are around you like... In that day and age, maidservants. Perhaps it can provide for extended family who are in need. Very simple principle here. Do all that you can to be and be diligent in sustaining your work. Please the boss, do what it takes to sustain your job. Simple. And yet something the lazy person avoids and refuses to do. Secondly, Not just physical work. The lazy person avoids spiritual work. And I would say to you, do spiritual work. Labor spiritually. Get involved in the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Both in word and in deed. Get to work. This comes first and foremost through evangelism and discipleship. We, friends, are are to meet eternal needs. That's what we're called to do as believers. And a lazy believer is one who avoids this. Is one who pushes this aside and says, I'm not going to worry about the eternal needs of others. and I'm not going to evangelize or seek to to build up someone in the Lord. I'm going to push it aside. You know, it's not without a bit of irony that Jesus said these words in Matthew chapter 9. He said this, He said to His disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Now read that in the context of this study. If the laborers are few then that means the vast majority of them are not doing what? Work. And if the vast majority of them are not doing work in Jesus' harvest, the harvest of souls, then I would submit to you that the vast majority of those are lazy. You see... Spiritual work is of utmost importance. And Jesus Himself tells us very plainly that the harvest is great. There is a whole harvest of souls in this world. You have family, you have friends, you have co workers, you have acquaintances, you are a person of influence, whether you know it or not. And he says, but very few are in the the business of harvesting souls. Very few. That means the vast majority are lazy. I ask you very plainly, are you in the harvest? According to this passage, it should only be a minority of us. It should only be a minority of us. Are we lazy in doing spiritual work or are we diligent? But secondly, and and I don't ever want to neglect this, a part of the proclamation of the gospel is also providing for the needy. Providing for the needy. Meeting earthly needs. Friends, we we cannot neglect this as we consider the message of Jesus Christ. Um, We are not about simply the business of saving souls from hell. We are about the business of providing for people in the here and now. Meeting needs in the here and now. And there are... um, I want to share with you a few proverbs here that that are of interest to me. And I wanted to let you know that our next two weeks, we will be looking at some of the social components... Of the gospel of Jesus Christ, meeting the needs of the poor, the widow, the afflicted. Take a look at some of these proverbs. The first is this: Proverbs 14:31. I've listed them in a certain kind of order to help to help guide our our look here. He who oppresses the poor reproaches his Maker, but he who honors his Maker has mercy on the needy. 19:17. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord. And he, God, will pay back what he has given. Proverbs 22.9 He who has a generous eye will be blessed, for he gives of his bread to the poor. 28.27 He who gives to the poor will not lack, but he who hides his eyes will have many curses. 21.13 Whoever shuts his ears to the cry of the poor will also cry himself and not be heard. Friends, these are are very serious admonitions here. And today's study is not on the poor, but I wanted to preface this because I would like to look at this over the next two weeks. I would like to look at some of the social components of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Meeting the needs of the poor, the widow, the orphan, the afflicted, the sick. That is a part of being a diligent worker of Jesus Christ. The lazy person does not meet these needs. And finally, we've seen here that we are to do physical work. We are to be attentive to provide for the physical needs of our household. Secondly, that we're to do spiritual work, get involved in the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, both in eternal needs with respect to evangelism and discipleship, and physical needs, providing for the needs of others, those who are afflicted. And third and finally, I say this, never do this. Never evaluate or establish your work ethic Based on the work ethic of others. Oh, this is so important. How many times have have I heard from someone, and have you heard from someone? Well, they're not working as hard as me, so I'm I'm not going to work any harder. Well, they're they're not in the game, so I'm going to slack off too. How often do you hear people establish or evaluate their work ethic, their diligence or laziness, based on others around them. Friends, that's not the scale. That's not the criteria of evaluation. Paul says this in 2 Thessalonians three ten to 13 He says, For even when we were with you, Paul says to the church at Thessalonica, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but their busybodies. Now those who are such, we command and exhort through the Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. But as for you, you who are not doing these kinds of things, you who are diligent, you who are working and, and working tirelessly for the Lord, do not grow weary in doing good. Paul, in effect, is saying don't pay attention to their work ethic. Don't establish or evaluate your work ethic based on the laziness of others friends we are never to compare ourselves to others when it comes to the topic of laziness or diligence we are to always be looking to work hard physically to work hard spiritually and to never establish or evaluate evaluate our own work ethic based on that of others lazy is lethal lazy is lethal Is it one of the seven deadly sins? Can it send a believer to eternal damnation? Of course not. No. The Scripture is clear. We are eternally secure in Jesus Christ. When we put our faith in Him, we are once saved and always saved. But friends, laziness can still creep in. And in this life, in this earthly life, laziness can be very lethal. It can bring upon our life many roadblocks many frustrations and disappointments that the Lord does not intend for us to have. So I urge you in the new year, consider your work ethic, consider how you can become a person of diligence, wisdom, uprightness, and righteousness, and avoid the lethalness of laziness. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, our Lord, we thank You, Lord, that You are a God who works tirelessly on our behalf. Father, You never sleep or slumber. You never rest. You are always, always attentive to our needs, answering our prayers, giving us help in time of trouble. Father, we thank You that You are a God who diligently works and who diligently labors for His creation. And Father, as Your creation, we too want to work diligently for You.